welcome friends to a new episode of Mind Speaks, Soul Listens. The views and opinions expressed by the speakers in this recording are solely based on their own individual perspectives and experiences. They form only part of the truth and we strongly encourage listeners to form their own conclusion based on their own living experience. Well, that ex- that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, that the the I, the I like that that the master consciousness is still alive in the living master. So then you could, Takeen, you know, see go back and see them all and recognize them. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's only one dreamer, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot to think about, right? When you when you say. Uh, there's only one dreamer, as in, uh, are are you only confined to like uh, your DVD right now, or are you in the DVD shop that you can be almost yeah. anybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you really mm-hmm. need to live those previous lives, or are mm-hmm. those previous lives uh, just part of your the DVD that you pick, the character that you pick, and you technically uh, did not commit those atrocities that you might have committed in your previous life and it was just part of this package right and you came with with that baggage so so the thing is it, it brings a lot of question right like like for example um when master talk about the reserve karmas right are those karmas really yours or was it just part of this package that you know when you when you came down and incarnate yourself as a being you just took those package as part of it. So, do you have to go through that? You know, it wasn't yours in the first place. So why do you have to be like you know accountable to those? Um, so so there's a lot of you know this kind of inner questions that you know we can we can talk about and uh, discuss. It's kind of interesting, you know, if you if you think of it that way. Hmm. Okay. We talk about reset karma. Maybe we cannot understand that in deeper sense but let's say that you have accumulation of pain within your body right and this pain never go away and it's seemed that it's uh, developed to be like a bigger and bigger area of pain right so we can call this let's say uh, reserve karma right is this your doing so let's say if this pain is always there since you're born do you remember commit any sin, any action contribute toward this pain? And this yeah. pain seemed to grow more and more, right? So I a lot of time I question as well, you know. I feel a lot of things in this karmic creation is not fair. Some of the things I remember that I didn't do this, but why I get punished for this, right? For example, some of the physical pain that I cannot recognize. What did I do that is went wrong and and received this pain as uh, consequences of that action? When mm-hmm. I go and meditate, withdraw my attention, 
And I feel when we raise our vibration up and out of this karmic system, I find that a lot of time this pain just disappear. So it means that by having free will and be able to do meditation to withdraw our attention inside and raise above the karma, we can actually um, get out of this uh, loop of punishment, of karma, of consequences. Mm -hmm. Like you said, this, this uh, karma impose or put upon the character, but not the soul. When we raise our vibration and we not recognize at that time that we are this character. So therefore, the suffering of pain is not belong to the soul. So here is the tips. I know that people get bored when I tell them to meditate every day. But it's actually important that we meditate every day to raise our vibration, that one day our vibration will be of our soul and not from our mind, our senses, or only this physical body. That's how, you know, Master show us that by the connection inside that we have with the Master, we can raise our awareness up to the soul level and escape these consequences of karma. And you will find that this karma is not real. It's just something that put or imposed upon the character in this dream. But once you wake up, you would not experience the pain, sorrow or suffering of this character in the dream, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I feel most of us are attached to the baggage that uh, that we came on, and this this is not our baggage to begin with, right? Um, but uh, then we go. So so the next program that kicks in after that after that realization is the victim mode, right? Oh, I'm a victim of circumstances. Uh, my past life, I've been doing like you know sins. Therefore, my current. So you go through this this loop, right? Of emotional victim suffering that um, in my opinion it will hinder your spiritual progress because you are not focused on the solution you're focused on the problem and the problem was not yours to begin with it's just part of the play part of the colorful experience that you are meant to have but more importantly than the experience it's part of the affinity the karmic affinity that you need to sow so that if you are really a true seeker and you found a perfect living master, this, ju just because of your um, initiation or, or finding a perfect living master, will affect many others that are chained up uh, through that character of yours, be it the living or the dead. So this, this like is what master says, that when one soul gets initiated, generations will get uh, the benefit of death, just that one initiation itself. So, so I feel um, you should see it not as a problem, but see it just as, okay, I've been inserted. I've got this whole bunch of karma with this bunch of relationships that I've, 
I might not, you know, have, but these guys have done things to me, right? Whether bad or good. And because of this, I'll just put that at one side, right? My main objective right now is to find the guy, find the one that can see. And if the one, if I found the one that I can see, then it's done. These guys will eventually be saved because of me. And, and you don't do this from ego perspective. You do this from selfless perspective. And then you go through your process. So if you progress, then it's even better. Then these guys get liberated even faster, right? So that's, that's, that's my advice to the ones that have already uh, been in contact with the Perfect Living Master, gone through this journey. They should just break off that suffering mentality or, or victim mentality and then just say, hey, it's not about me anymore. It's about the ones that I've not, the versions of me or my relatives or friends that, you know, um, that's going to benefit based on my actions. So you do meditation for a purpose right now. It's not for you. Yeah. I have a friend in Thailand that didn't know the concept of a perfect living master or the part of the master. And very surprised, they asked me like, how master take on the nine generation karma? You know, I said, no, uh, a master, a physical master, when they come into a physical body and pick one physical body, naturally, he or she will liberate all of their relatives of that nine generation. So let's assume that we are initiate and we are part of his or her nine generation. That's why we get initiation from that perfect living master. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think that perfect living master will have to shoulder on top of that, our nine generation. I feel this is unfair deal, right? Because we know that how hard it is for us to progress on the spiritual part already. So imagine on top of that, master have to take responsibility of the nine generation. So like Takin said, it's more healthy to say that when you meditate, you meditate on behalf of your ninth generation because if you progress, you will start to see that, you know, there's more happiness, there's more peace around you in within your setup, within your family. So it means that you are the one who actually uplift them and help them and give salvation to them within this ninth generation. So therefore, even if you know that, you know full well that you are already saved by the grace of perfect living master, you're going home. What about your relative? What about your family? What about your loved one? You still have to continue to meditate and keep our blessing to them. And, and uh, you know, for some of us, we have this mental- mentality. I, I didn't see those guys behind the, my ancestors. Why should I even care about them, right? We, we then go into this selfish mode, right? But here's, like, here's, here's the news for you, right? Without them, you wouldn't exist. So you just have to like, you know, pay, pay it back, right? Because whatever things that they did in the past, one thing they did was they procreate. And because of that, there was a chain of humans that came and 
each one of them did their own procreation and then now you exist because of them, right? So you are tied up with your nine generations even if you like it or not, right? So, yeah, like what Ni mentioned, I, I, I think uh, the self-liberation part is, is, um, is needed. And, but always remember this, that you are not the doer of all this. Master is a doer. He's doing all this through you. So never take credit for, hey, you know what? I'm the guy. So, so then, you keep, then you tell your kids, like, please frame a big poster of me. I'm the guy that, you know, did all this and <laughs> I will be known throughout the nine generations to come of the guy that saved all of you. No, please don't do that because it's not you. <laughs> it's master. You technically are just hands and legs of the <laughs> divine. So, yeah. Mm. And I love that perspective of meditating for your nine generations. I mean, that's another, um, the way you, you've both put it helps me to see that meditating as seva for your master in a slightly different way, you know, of, of it being, you know, for your nine generations, you're dedicating it for that. And, and it, it changes the dynamic, I think, of your relationships, right? Because it, it's, it's creating a, a peace and a love um, within those relationships on a soul, on a soul level. Yeah, I mean, just that small change in perspective uh, made, made you do something in oneness, in unity, instead of separation. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I, I observe that a lot of people come to see Babaji, Baba Gurindaji, uh, saying and complain that, oh, my family is still unpeaceful, this fight between mother-in-law and the daughter, you know? And Babaji always suggests that, do you do meditation? You have to do meditation more, right? Do Simlan, do Bhajan, right? He said that always. Why? Because we always blame the outside circumstances that cause inner, you know, inner um, uh, like suffering. But what if the same inner suffering, right, or inner anger or jealousy? Manifest outside to be the circumstance within your life, in your family. So, in Buddhism, we always have the teaching where, okay, don't complain. If anything happens outside, it means you have to do inside more. Meaning, you have to correct the problem before it manifests outside. And the only way to see is when we withdraw our attention inside and study about the ultimate self, which is the, which is the sort of projection of this reality around us, right? So we cannot point finger out to say that, oh, you know, um, my daughter or son, they're not good, right? They're not listening to me. I feel if we truly understand this nature of this nine generation that we all interconnect inside, then we fix the problem from inside first. If every day we can meditate and tap 
into love and blessing every day, I feel that we will face, we will experience love all around, peace all around, and we don't need to go to master and cry that we have family problem, we have um, issue with our friends or issue with our spouse. You know, it's all our own doing. We have to correct the same self inside first before that self manifests outside. So that's one of the reasons why we have to meditate every day. <laughs> one of the many reasons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even we say that meditation is for the mind. Love and devotion is for the soul. But if you still have physical problem, daily struggle, you know, mm -hmm. and unsatisfaction in any way, you have to meditate. Because mm -hmm. that's for your mind, correct? But we still have to live this human physical life. And within that, we have to borrow the mind, the senses to function, right? We always get triggered when this mind become unpeaceful, anger, jealousy, you know, have the feeling of loss, and also the ego come up. When we feel that we still affect by this, we have to do meditation. And you know, the classic way is that even, you know, even so, all the master, they are the master. They're still meditating. Who are we to say that? No, I'm already found my perfect living master. I don't need to meditate anymore. I just live my life in love and devotion. Yeah, but what about your nine generation? What about your life circumstances that come? No, good or bad karma that will come to you at every moment. We have to do that. So we stay in uh, conscious awareness that we are the soul and not the mind, not the senses, and not the physical body. Yeah, I, I think on that part, because um, I think Ishwaji did mention in some of his satsangs that meditation is for the mind. And uh, on this path, it's just love and devotion, right? Many people take that literally as in, aha, you have found the winning formula that meditation doesn't bring you anywhere. It's for the soul. Therefore, I don't need to meditate. However, if you operate from a soul level, that statement is true. But since you are still, aha, you have found something, right? You're still using your mind to rationalize this particular statement. So it you cannot just by a master saying it and you believe it and then, you know, okay, I'm not going to meditate because he, he just mentioned clear cut, right? That meditation is for the mind. But that's blind faith that you are taking that uh, assumption on. It's not living faith. Living faith will prove otherwise. And uh, the irony of the situation is uh, when you reach a point where you find that there's no need to meditation, meditation is just equally important for uh, for seva. Like what you mentioned, Heather, is like for you, you treat meditation now as a form of seva. 
for the master and for your nine generation. So I think uh, we should not run away from meditation, right? Uh, running away from meditation is like not not jogging every day while while preparing for a marathon, right? You're going to fail that marathon if you don't jog every day or you don't train every day. So there's no shortcut to this, you know. You're going to get injured or you're going to take a very long time, maybe four days to, to, to finish that marathon because you'll be crawling, right? Instead of if you do your trainings every day, your, your runs every day, you probably uh, finish the marathon in one piece under like four hours, for example. So I'm just giving a, a literal um, example of how meditation actually helps an individual. And great marathoners do running every day. So who are we, right? <laughs> to not. So I'm just saying. Is there any other questions that you uh, want to ask, Heather? Just one, one comment about meditation. Um, you know, I haven't always found it easy to sit for um, the, the amount of time that that Ishwar has recommended, you know, and the great master two and a half hours a day. And, um, but, but recently when, um, when you, you went on your um, 10 day retreat and we meditated with you, you know, during that time, like I felt really drawn, you know, to do that. And so what happened was it switched it up for me in a way where, like I, you, you, you shared with us like the times, you know, that you would be meditating and, um, and I'm, a, I'm a 12 hour difference. So, you know, they were different times for me, but so what I did was I sat in the morning, I woke up and sat for an hour and then took an hour break. Cause it just, just, just happened to be the timing of, of mm. your meditations, right? It was an hour in between and I sat another hour. And, um, and I got up early, you know, it was a timing that was early enough that I could do that even if I had to work that day. So then I would sat two hours, you know, before I started my day. And then at nighttime before bed, I sat another hour and, and I found that it was, it was easy. Like I, it was, it was easy. I was so surprised like this is that this happened easily for me. And then I switched it up to where I listened, you know, at nighttime, I listened to a recorded meditation yeah. or, you know, in one of the mornings. And so like, I, I tried to, you know, um, be um, easy on myself too, is like, I, show up and I do the, you know, try to do the best that I can and then hand it over to master. Mm -hmm. And I just, just, you know, was so pleasantly surprised that I could actually from a different um, perspective meditate, you know, for more than two and a half hours a day. And it, and it wasn't a struggle. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could only be master's grace that that could happen, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm grateful. And, and now, now I haven't had that experience. Um, it, it, it's, it's, um, made meditation, it's changed meditation for me in a good way. Yeah. It's the commitment that you have. I feel, uh, when master asks us to meditate two and a half hour a day, it just, uh, the way that they say that, um, at least 10% of our day, we have to devote this time to do our spiritual practice. And if most of your attention on the day or 
you know, even more than 10% is already on this uh, contemplation or meditation. I feel it's good. But from time to time, it's also good to have this kind of commitment where we get together, we meditate for 10 days straight, we meditate for five days straight. That's why I create a program of intensive meditation retreat. Because I feel from time to time, we have to remind ourselves again the importance of the meditation. Because that is the only way that we can know ourselves well, you know, that we can have a lot of me time and meet with your ultimate self inside. And by in that silence, you know, you can embrace the wisdom that born in that. Because in this age, you know, we have um, social media, we have phone, we have computer. So it's difficult for us to have me time. That's why a lot of people out there, if they feel that they don't feel the grace, they don't feel that master it within them anymore, they don't feel the helping hands of the master. My suggestion is that they have to go on retreat just like this. They have to commit themselves to sit and meditate for a week, you know, like five days, seven days, or 10 days to come back to that habit, to come back to that space that they, um, they have the clarity in their mind so they can connect with their soul well. So that's what happened. Hmm. That's well, why you. not all perfect living master, even Ishwapuriji, right? The one hmm. saying that, oh, we don't need meditation. Meditation is for the mind. Love, devotion is for the soul. He himself creates 10-day retreat. What for? Right? <laughs> yeah. And thank you, you know, for, for really being a model in that for us, you know, you're, you're helping us with meditation and in a way where, you know, I think a lot of us were asking for that. And so you really are, are in your seva or dedicated to, to your, yourself and your own meditation, which, which models that for us. Right. But then you offer, you know, the guided meditations for us and the meditation retreats and, um, so I, I just am so grateful for that. Yeah, but it's all Master Grace. I don't mm. feel that on my own I can do this, you know. Master sent me great team and also the people that understand me and support me on this service. That's why this service can be possible at all. But we keep inspire one another, you know, go back to where we say that uh, we all are masters and the same master sit inside us. The purpose of this uh, service, I want to tell people that Steve, uh, no, stop looking outside. Just look inside themselves. The same master is there. But in order to do that, they have to raise beyond their physical self, you know, raise above the physical self their sensory self and their causal self to see themselves as the soul. 
And the only way that we can raise uh, above that is through meditation. There is no other way. But when somebody keep the momentum going, that they in meditative state at all time during the day and recognize mm -hmm. themselves as the soul, then on that, they don't need meditation. They only need to practice love and devotion. But mm -hmm. that love and devotion, if it's real love and devotion, you will have the sense of gratitude. And in this gratitude, you want to do service for the master, for your friends, for your family to get to know the same love, right? Then you meditate too. So you will never stop meditating even when you operate from your soul. Okay. Yeah, I, I was about to say that um, don't only look at the two and a half hours of meditation. I, I feel um, meditation should be done like at your awakened state, right? And also maybe uh, if you do a lot of meditation during your awakened state, when you're sleeping, you're actually also meditating. And, yeah. and You told yeah. me that you even meditate when you go out jogging, right? Yeah, How because... <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned the me time, right? So the only yeah. time I have with myself is uh when I do my runs, and lately I've been like uh, listening to a lot of podcasts and even Ishraji's talks, while not not contemplating on visual, but just uh audio, right? Because it's on my on my iPods, um, and then when I jog, then now I'm I'm starting to change that that. Um, or add more flavor to that experience. So I'm doing like like what I, I think I shared with uh, you, Heather, like breath works. So I focus my breathing while subconsciously listening to satsang and also running. So I'm doing three things at once, which is kind of like... Mind gymnastic. Yeah, mind gymnastic, right? Why am I even tiring myself out? But I get three benefits, you know? So I get breathing techniques. Uh, so I improve my lungs. I get uh, cardiovascular uh, exercise and I get satsang, right? So I, I do three in one. So I'm like uh, using my time wisely in, mm -hmm. in, in that me time. And also I do contemplation. I'm like, man, this is like, you know, what, 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 what's the lesson for, for the day? And then in this satsang, he will just interject a message and then I just pick on that message and then I'll see people. So there's a lot of things happening. So in my, it's like a very busy um, activity so that's that's how I do it I, I mean for most people they can be doing other things like uh, maybe driving while doing uh, contemplation but just focus on the road um, so that you don't crash your car uh, but other things I, I, I think this this should be natural it should be natural that you're doing what you're supposed to do in your daily life but just keep master as the um, focus this is how I see if you can expand your meditation sessions. And like what you mentioned, gratitude 24-7, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because even in suffering, right, we can uh, we can explain gratitude. Because if we say like, okay, let's practice happiness 24-7. Some people say, oh, I cannot. I don't feel happy right now. How can I practice happiness? 
Then I said, okay, let's shift into gratitude 24-7. Then they can. Because even in intense suffering, we can still feel grateful, right? So, yeah. you know, that's if we can continue to do that, gratitude is actually the quality of our soul. Then we can get closer and closer to our soul by practice this gratitude. In the beginning, like Takin said, it can be my gymnastic, right? Because we almost force ourselves to give thanks or be grateful. But after that, it becomes natural, right? You will see every tiny little thing and start to express gratitude. So this is the way to go. If you feel that you cannot bring yourself to do meditation right now, or, or it has been a long time, that you don't do any meditation at all, just start from practice of gratitude 24-7. Hmm. Yeah, gratitude changes attitude. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we do what we do with love, right? Do all things with love. And from, from I like how you said, from an awakened state. Uh, Takin, like from a meditative awakened state, and then we are we are um, experiencing it from from our soul. Yeah, yeah. just um, you just need to. So so here's the thing that there's no difference between closing your eyes and opening it, right? Except that you need to understand you're the observer, right? So that's that's the only difference. Where when you are when you open your eyes you are seeing a lot of visuals in front of you. And if you get sucked by the visual, then you lose your focus as the observer. Same goes for when you close your eyes, right? At first, it's darkness. It's, it's the total opposite experience, right? But the constant is always the observer. So the observer is experiencing uh, pleasures, like, you know, sense, taste, uh, and, and touch, right? Uh, in the awakened state. So... To, to be in a meditative state in your awakened state is more of a challenge because you you have all this sensory experience around you. Um, but you start first in a meditative state, closing your eyes, because then you remove sensory. And if you are if you're very natural already at that at that state, then you say, okay, let's upgrade the game. Let's let's put sensory on, right? And see. How does that, you know, transcend right, for you? Right. So. You know, how I, I um, kind of do that with breath work is that um, when we go inside and we close our eyes and we find our breath and, and we are consciously breathing and we're in that state, of course, a lot of shifts for us in that state. And then when we come out of that state, like you could even just practice, you know, do that for yeah. a few minutes, go inside. And then as you come out and you open your eyes, you just start to bring your inner experience out into the space around you. Yeah. And then you have that meditative state, okay, that awareness that you bring out. And then you can slowly take in the stimulation from outside mm. as you still can be in, in you know, in that awakened state. Yeah. And I think it keeps our brain waves in a certain state yeah. when we're actually um, doing things. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and just to touch on that, 
So Ishwaji always mentioned, right? A PLM operates on all levels at the same time. Now that is a, I mean, if you just remove this physical level and you just oh all levels at the same time, I just close my eye and you know experience all levels. You're missing one very crucial level, which is the lowest human. level here, the the <laughs> human level, the sensory level. Yes. So right. <laughs> if you if you can operate on all levels, including the sensory, then the you, human. Yeah. Yeah, the human. So, um, that's a big clue. That's a big clue that he he gave. So just put the pieces together, and then you you know, when he mentioned like you know, true home is here and now. So. Yeah, because uh, Ishwaji always give uh, tips where we meditate five minute in in the morning, right? And then get up, and then with that state of meditation, we carry throughout the day, and we meditate again to go to sleep, right? Five minute before we go to sleep, so we constantly be in the presence of the master all day, all night, right? So. When doing, when we be able truly doing that, right? You will find that in your physical experience, you also do your spiritual practice, you know, in your physical daily life. So that's what he means. Master never suggests us to escape our physical experience, but to embrace it, because. In order to have the awareness of the totality of consciousness, we have to have the consciousness, conscious awareness of every level at the same time, including human, yeah. like Tarun said. Most important, yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that experience can be complete. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and and being human is not just. Awakened and in your bedroom, you know, it's like to do the daily stuff that you do, right? You go to work and stuff while still be in a meditative state. So that to me is is the whole complete package of the human experience or what it means to be a human and divine walking in the same body and same space while operating in the now. So it's kind of complex now. <laughs> yeah, you start your day with that uh, meditation and in meditative state, right? You will feel that actually this human life is like a dream, mm. you know, a good dream, and you also the dreamer. Why? Because somehow you know what is coming. How you can have some glimpse or preview. You have a feeling that mm. this gonna happen, that gonna happen. And if you more advanced than that, you actually can control your dream, how things manifest into your reality. So it's like a dream when you think, ah, oh, I, I'm today. I want to have some mango. Then suddenly somebody bring the mango, you know, and peel for you to eat. And then you feel, hmm, what's happened, right? This is not me. This is my connection with the master and thing. Just uh, hand over to me, just like that. How is possible? Because the more we invest ourselves to be in that state with the dreamer, the dreamer is our master, right? Then he give whatever we need in our life. Yeah. Not whatever we want, though, no, but whatever we need. Whatever we need. Yeah. Life. 
<laughs> I remember the 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 story he mentioned about the parking lot, where he where somebody is driving a car and say, "Oh, master, can you give me a parking lot?" Right? Then the car pulls up, and then you have a parking lot there. So this is one of the many examples that he's trying to tell us, right? That what we need, and if we communicate and ask master, we might or might not uh, get it. Okay. So here here's the thing. Sometimes we request things and master didn't give and de- didn't deliver and we get the opposite and then we complain. But why hasn't anyone um, see from a perspective of master know best, maybe he didn't give you because he's saving you from, you know, more agonizing pain later on, for example. You know, it's like, why master didn't you give me a car, right? Well, maybe he gave you a car, you'll crash it, right? So... I don't know. This this isn't just to me an example. It's sometimes how I, I wouldn't say brainwash, but how I um, uh, like to see everything from a positive light instead of negative. So even negative things that happen to me, I I'll try to think what's the positive of this. What's the what's the lesson that you know? Because sometimes you you don't get what you want, right? Because sometimes it comes from the mind, right? and it's a it's a master's way of saying you know what. Uh, I'm I'm saving you from a lot of trouble, so I'm not going to give you this one, right? I'm going to give you the parking lot, but I'm not going to give you this one. So, yeah. So that's the thing. It's just perspective, uh, perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then it's also seeing master in all things, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um. So, yeah. Maybe we can wrap up this podcast for now. Um, and we'll see you again in a new episode. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. If you'd like to listen to more content like this one, please follow and like our channel. Links can be found in the description. See you next time and thank you for listening.